Bye. Thanks for coming. Hey girl. Thanks for coming. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of Thanks for Coming, the Magically Gay Podcast. <laughs> uh, we have now finished our entire month of spoopy podcasts, and we <laughs> hope that you enjoy them. <laughs> I still don't know what spoopy means, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next Halloween he'll have it all figured out. Just stay tuned and you can find out. He's got a whole year and a couple days <laughs> to figure it out. <laughs> um, well, we do hope that you like those. Uh, just to get some housekeeping out of the way. If you guys are listening now, we have a brand new website. It is www.thanksforcomingpodcast.com. Yes. Oh, I thought it was .us.gov. <laughs> is it not that? No, girl. That's oh. the White House's webpage. <laughs> My bad. Nice try, queen. We tried, but they were like, you guys are clearly too gay to be on our server, so get out of here. <laughs> System overload. They're like, you don't exist, actually, so we can't put you on the website. Yeah. Yeah, so we have a new website. Uh, you know, it's since it is a new website, so we have, like, our links. You, you can find all of our social media. You can find out where to listen to us. So you can just send our website to your friends, and then you don't even have to, like, go into that many details. We've made it, like, so easy for you. Super easy. Crispy photos. It's bright and colorful, just like us. And it's fun. Lots of fun stuff coming. We're going to use this as our hub. Definitely. You might see, you know, some of our life updates. You can keep up with what we're doing in our personal lives there, perhaps. In the future, when we launch Patreons, we may post like special like essay style posts uh, about topics or things that are interesting to us that we can't always get into on the show. Mm -hmm. So keep a lookout for that and we're really excited to share it with you so let us know what you think that's right we're coming up on our year mark i can't believe it's almost been a year so stay tuned for lots more this is just the beginning i know it's pretty crazy like i'm about to start teething and stuff (laughs) (laughs) i'm ready to be walking you know running around here with aiden yeah (laughs) king aiden yeah he was up there with you guys this weekend wasn't he he was we babysat over the weekend just four nights that's all i can um handle (laughs) but thankfully he's a pretty easy kid yeah Yeah, what was it like being daddies this weekend (sighs) it was super fun like we were like the worst parents of all time we were like (laughs) oh there's no toys here like oh (laughs) like you can play with the knives and the forks like (laughs) god (laughs) no stoney actually like was super productive and put together a bookshelf so we made sure he didn't go climbing up that Reynold was pissed because he had to share his space. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really good at ignoring children and being super productive. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you have to look forward to, Jamal. So he's like, okay, Jamal, take care of the kid. I'm going to go do some stuff. Bye. I know. Lots to think about. He's like, I'm just going to go put this bookshelf together. He's like, do you need help? He's like, no, I've got it. <laughs> well, one of us has to watch Aiden, so <laughs> Yeah, I was on diaper duty, which was fine. Um I'm experienced. So that was that was okay. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I helped a kid out. 
Yeah. I mean, what were we going to do? Just let him sit in his own filth, you know? Ugh, That's like I'm something Stoney would do. I'm not trying to be on the Maury show, so we skipped all that. No, see, I, I fed the child and Jamal, like, cleaned up the <laughs> waste from the kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow being a daddy is so fun <laughs> no but on in all seriousness he was like super easy he slept through the night and was a good time awesome well i don't really have too much to update you guys on this weekend nothing crazy went down i don't know Ugh. <laughs> has have you voted yet we voted this weekend actually did you i I have prepared my mail-in ballot, uh, but I have forgotten to put it in the mailbox. <laughs> uh oh! Jesus Christ! <laughs> I guess you have like a week, like or something like that. Yeah, I still have time. I'm gonna put it in the Dropbox tomorrow morning. I won't forget this time. Get it, girl. Yeah, I will have you know that there was someone that went to Purdue University on our ballot, so I didn't vote for him because clearly he can't be trusted. Oh, I saw that in your story. Vote Gross. that bitch down. Yeah, of course he was a Republican. Ugh. Shout out to Reddit. Vote it down. What does yeah, he like? Down vote. Does he like grow stuff or something out there? Because <laughs> I'm assuming if he went to Purdue, he only like grows things. I, I think he went. I think he. I don't. I mean, I don't remember, but I think he was like when it worked at Boeing and did like aero science techniques. I don't know. <laughs> Aeronautical studies. Oh yeah, maybe like an engineer. I don't even know. I don't know what these yeah. words mean. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, he didn't get voted for, so boiler down. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag boiler down. Yes. Anyways, for like everyone else that's not in Indiana that just doesn't appreciate our <laughs> that conversation that we just had. <laughs> sorry, just like just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyways, so we have like quite a bit to get into for this week's podcast. So enough about my boring week. Let's go ahead and get into the show. <laughs> Hello and welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the Honest Tea Spill of the Week. This week is going to be a little bit different than most of our podcasts in general, and especially different than all of our silly, spooky Halloween podcasts. So this week on the podcast, we are going to be talking about a serious topic, which is addiction. So addiction can be, you know, for various different things. Uh, The obvious one might be for drug addiction, but, you know, there are other things as well, other types of addiction, which we will get into because my experience Mm -hmm. is not with drug addiction. (laughs) But um, so, you know, we want to try and keep it a little bit lighter, but also this is a very serious topic. So uh, we are going to try to not be too silly. Well, it's probably just me not being as silly as I normally am. So (laughs) we hope you enjoy this more serious podcast. So... To start the conversation off, I was just I I can throw myself to the to the wolves because I was the uh, one that sort of pushed for this topic this week. So my experience with addiction isn't like I said isn't with drugs. Maybe I guess you could say in the past I don't I wouldn't say that I was like addicted to drinking alcohol. I mean I drank a lot like in college and. 
and afterwards be like you know it was maybe like a drink or two every day it was but when I think of alcohol you know addiction I think of like not being able to function in society basically you like need it to start your day or need it to get you going right yeah maybe like the lady that was at the Halloween movie that you guys went to (laughs) (laughs) she was turned she couldn't even do the alphabet it only goes to G yeah yeah <laughs> so I I mean I did drink a lot so I I don't I mean technically maybe that is I think actually binge drinking is considered five drinks or more which was not me like mostly but anyways so to get on to my experience with addiction is a uh an addiction that I think I battled probably my entire life and my addiction is to overeating what that is basically is just to you are overeating like what you really need to be putting into your body yeah so maybe like eating like when you're not necessarily hungry but maybe if like you're not doing anything else so let's go get a snack kind of thing yeah like it's like you know if you're like bored you're like oh man i'm so bored like what should i do it's like oh like guess I'm kind of hungry like maybe I'll like go get like a candy bar or something like that it's sort of that but also for many individuals compulsive overeating is a coping mechanism for avoiding underlying emotional issues including trauma depression and anxiety check 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) so (laughs) um so compulsive overeating commonly results in weight gain and is often accompanied by obesity metabolic syndrome or other weight related medical concerns and increasingly negative body image Mm, i can definitely relate to this for sure Yeah. yeah, I can too. I mean, I think everyone, especially in the gay community, it's really hard. You know, there's a lot, there's a high expectation of you as a gay man, uh, maybe more so than, uh, you know, a lesbian woman or, uh, you know, in the trans community. Uh, the trans community, obviously, there are visual like expectations, I guess, but not necessarily relating mm-hmm. to overeating. You think of like the gay guys and, you know, we've talked about this on earlier shows. Like the only things you really see on TV are the circuit parties, people dancing around with no shirts on and they're just they've got glitter and the crevices of their abs and everybody's in white speedos. That's not our experience. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> but with that comes all that pressure, right? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of pressure because, you know, it's like ever you're expected to have like abs. You're expected to like just have almost an unrealistic expectation of what your body should look like because a full hairline yeah full (laughs) everyone wants you to have like a full hairline like a whole head of hair and as you get older you obviously then become more undesirable so it's just like wow this is getting really depressing um (laughs) anyways (laughs) (laughs) so uh those struggling with overeating who are of normal and higher weight don't often see themselves actually as having an eating disorder they tend to minimize maladaptive overeating and instead of attributing their failed weight loss and food issues, you know, to moral failing, like I'm a bad dieter or I don't have willpower. So once they can recognize the symptoms for actually having an eating disorder, overeating disorder, they often recognize behaviors 
that have been evident since childhood. That's very real because I I noticed, uh, you know, like childhood pictures for me, I was very small until like about the second grade and I like started to put on what people call, you know, baby fat. But, you know, fast forward to college and it was like I was definitely 310 pounds at one point. So you have to question what's going on there at one point or the other. Yeah, definitely. It's... I know I definitely relate too because even now, you know, even up to more recently, it's like, well, I know I have always had bad eating habits. Like I haven't really attributed it to specifically to overeating or having an eating disorder. So it's just like, oh, well, like, you know, like I'll just have a Taco Bell today or like I'll have, oh, it's like I had Taco Bell for lunch. Like I'm gonna have a pizza for dinner. Like, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, it's like for you know, some guys or girls, you know, they have the metabolism that they can eat that and be totally fine. But me, I do not. Um, I definitely come from my, like my whole family and even like their elders and, and, you know, in various branches, like our, I feel like a lot of our family is a heavier set. So I think that a lot of my eating was, uh, what's the word enabled by like mm-hmm. my up- upbringing mm-hmm. and stuff like that because a lot of my memories with my family is like always having like cookouts or you know eating like specific dishes that like we all enjoy and things like that like I can remember one specific incident like when we went to I, f- I don't remember how old I was I was maybe around 12 or 13 and we were at the we were going to the movie theater and I was like oh you know we're at the movies like we should get popcorn and I remember we went up there and I think I was like mom like we need to get like the large popcorn she's like no we don't need that much I'm like and then like I threw a fit about it and I was like just because like I don't know why maybe that was like some sort of like uh some association like a trigger yeah it's like oh well like like obviously we're gonna need a large popcorn or we won't have enough for everybody sort of thing Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i and then like looking back i think i think even after that i think and even after that specific incident i think i was initially embarrassed like for even doing that but like especially now looking back it's like how embarrassing to have like a meltdown like in front of an entire like movie theater crowd for (laughs) my parents not like ordering the largest fucking trash bag of popcorn (laughs) yeah yeah but that's something that like kids will do in general like oh like give me the ice cream or else i'm going to like throw a fit like that's just like kids being kids like a lot of times like yeah i mean i would have caught a swift elbow to the eye but (laughs) i've definitely thrown my version of fits (laughs) yeah so i mean i think uh i think i've been kind of like learning a little bit more about addiction in general and more so like kind of reflecting on my experiences because like I said last week on the podcast I went to see the movie Beautiful Boy so beyond the fact that it has you know the beautiful Timothy Chalamet in it it is a very it's not necessarily a subject that I related to like it's a subject that is interesting to watch in movies and as far as stories Mm -hmm. go but I actually went and saw it again 
this last weekend. Oh. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> it's all starting again, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, She's a fangirl. <laughs> um, but this the second time, I really got to see more of the nuances and the subject matter. And while in the movie... You know, the character Nick Chef, he is struggling with addiction to like various hard drugs. I really Mm -hmm. related to a lot of that, you know, as far as with my experience in overeating. So whereas like in the movie, he will be like, oh, you know, like, dad, like, I really just want to get clean. Like, I need you. uh, Like, can I come live home? Like, and like, I just really am ready to be be clean. So for me, my thing is always like, oh, well, like I ate bad this week. So like over the weekend like I'm just gonna eat like whatever I want and then Monday we're gonna start the diet and so mm-hmm. that's just such like a cycle that I've gotten into like I always like justify my horrible eating by saying oh we're gonna start the diet on Monday and then you know by Wednesday ever you know just like the littlest thing will derail me and I'll just like spiral into like the worst <laughs> like eating habits all weekend well add on like being an adult now like I mean even if you're following you know, we joke around about like not saying diet, like being keto or low carb is a lifestyle choice, blah, blah, blah. But it's true because you want to avoid things like that. And it's so easy to get caught up in our day to day. And like, you know, this week, for example, it's like Stoney's busy week at work and I've had busy weeks and it's like, uh, let's just go to Hardee's or let's just go get some wings. And then before you know it, you've eaten out like four times and you haven't worked out (laughs) because you're like, oh, the magic of sleep. (laughs) And that all catches up with you. Right. It really does. So, you know, it's it's a difficult cycle to break for sure. Watching the movie the second time around, like I found myself becoming more emotional. I mean, it was already like an incredibly sad story just watching the decline of this person, you know, the second time watching it through the lens of being like, oh, this is like similar. I'm having a similar experience as this person, this Nick Chef character. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's frustrating. It's like, well, sometimes you're like, well, you know, there's a scene in the movie where, the, you know, while the son's like, you know, off doing drugs, he goes, he meets up with his father and at a you know diner to try and get more money for drugs (laughs) and so the dad's like you know like let me help you like blah 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 trying to be supportive and the son's like you know you had me as a kid and you just thought I created this like perfect creature but this is who I am now sort of thing so Mm -hmm. for me it's like sometimes it's like you know I try and be you know healthy I try and get into the diet and eventually gets to a point where it's like you're just like you know repeating your cycle of like food abuse and you're like well this is just who I am like I'm just going to be an overweight person my whole life and so that it's like really defeating and and definitely Mm -hmm. is like mentally affects you as well for sure I mean I think like for a lot of people like what you are going through like that's something that a lot of people deal with and I think like it's good for you to remember that not to like give yourself that negative self-talk to say like, oh, well, I'm just this overweight person, so I'm just not worth it. Like, or, you know, I'm not as good as somebody else because they're like more physically fit. Like, I think if you get into like those kind of like self messages that can be like a rabbit hole that you don't want to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you I want to f- give yourself affirmations. And yeah. Stuff so if you, can. you just want to like make sure you be careful about stuff like that because you can 
go take yourself to a dark place when it's almost like, okay, well, you know, everything I'm saying, like you yourself as a person can be kind of your worst enemy type thing, right? Like, and you just need to remember that. Like, so if you kind of, because I do that to myself too. Like if I am not successful at something or if, you know, I'm not doing something right, like I'll tell myself these things that are negative and then you kind of wonder, well, why am I in a bad mood? And then you start to think, well, I'm in a bad mood because I keep bashing myself like in my head. You're just <laughs> replaying whatever. Yeah. So it's like, on a loop. it's hard sometimes when somebody experiences things like that, it's important to remember to like stop what you're doing and maybe like go for a walk or do something to get your mind off that because you don't want to like go into that dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, because in reality, it's you've created this perception that isn't even true, but you're telling yourself these things. So just kind of keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that absolutely relates to something I said earlier about, you know, overeating being a symptom of anxiety and depression. So like, that's definitely something that I have, you know, sort of, you know, dealt with. I mean, I feel like I've always sort of been a little bit you know, because I've always been overweight, really, I feel like depression, like I've sort of dealt with that a lot throughout, you know, my years growing up. Uh, I have like had issues with anxiety that was not something that I've always dealt with, but it is something that became more prevalent towards the end of my college and until now, which is crazy because you're like, when it fir- when you first start having anxiety, you're like, why is this happening to me now? Like, why wasn't I born with anxiety? Like, why, like, what, why is my body doing this? <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's exactly right. It just kind of comes out of nowhere and you have to somehow like deal with it if you know what it is. <laughs> yeah. And for a while, like, I had no idea. I thought it was like maybe just some sort of like, uh, maybe there was some sort of like issue where I was like having like, uh, like, un- like unbalance or whatever. Like, I just, because the world kind of just like (laughs) when you have anxiety the world can sometimes kind of rock like the ocean in relation with overeating though just to not branch off too much into the mental aspect of this because i think that could be another fun well another interesting topic for a later podcast not necessarily fun so i think to cover up i use it to definitely cover up because you know a lot of times when i'm feeling depressed i'm like oh like i've just been trying to be healthy but i haven't really been successful in being healthy it's just like it's kind of like what stoney was saying it's like well it's like you know you're just like this overweight person it's like this is what you are like people um you know automatically aren't interested in you as much uh, because you're overweight, especially in the gay community, you know, even trying to make friends in the gay community, like it, as an overweight person, if you try and go up to somebody that is not as, or that is, well, that is more fit than you, you know, automatically they think that you're trying to like sleep with them and they mm-hmm. don't really give you a chance to even be friends. And it's, so that's like an, a weird thing this community does. <laughs> well, yeah. And like you said earlier, like, you know, mental, mental um, illness, that's, you know, it's kind of part of it because it can be used as like whatever the addiction, it can be like a coping mechanism because rejection will definitely bring up feelings like that, whether it's friendship or sexual or familial, mm-hmm. um, you want to go to that comfort zone, whatever it is. Right. Well, and I think 
to like gay men like in particular in the media or in tv shows have always been presented as a stereotype as everyone all gay men are like neat and like put together in good shape perfect and like yeah perfect haircuts crispy like shirts or like perfect sweaters like suits (laughs) and it's the fact of the matter is that's not true like i mean yes there is the that stereotype out there or else it wouldn't exist right but i don't know i think that is what kind of creates like this expectation of um a person to be like well i have to be exactly like this one thing and that's kind of you know as a gay man that's kind of the stereotype that we've been given and you know you can relate that to other people like you know uh like other groups like women or you know people of color like the stereotype that they've been given in the media so it's just a lot of pressure whenever you have that um in the media and stuff because everyone you know in your head you're thinking i have to be exactly how it's presented Mm -hmm. like on a tv show or something but that's just not reality and it's not true but it's hard to break that And it's something you can aspire to if that's what you want to be. Like, you know, I like looking cute in the office if I can. But, you know, it took a long time. But finally, that image is out of my head of, okay, you have to be like a 32 waist and, you know, be put together like this and talk and speak this way. You know, I'm never going to be a 32 waist. It's just not my build. (laughs) (laughs) so you know that's something i had to work with and you know find my version of what these things are yeah yeah and i mean i like to wear like a hoodie and jeans like i'm not (laughs) like somebody that's like i mean i can like try and make myself look more presentable but honestly like i just want to like chill so i'm like giving my sweatshirt yeah and my jeans and you know, I'm good, but like, you know, there's that stereotype of, oh, well, why aren't you like dressed perfect? All the gay men I see on TV, like, I'm yeah, like, definitely. You know, and on me. the flip side, like, <laughs> my closet is my toy box. I love a good bag, but I have my days where I just want my raggedy band t shirt and some baggy jeans. <laughs> definitely. And that's okay too. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a hard image to uphold, you know, and oftentimes when you, feel rejected, you know, either uh, from, you know, maybe a potential relationship or a potential friend or, you know, maybe something bad happened at work or maybe uh, maybe one of your fa- someone in your family died or something. Oftentimes, like you just turn to food as a source of comfort. And so that's kind of like the whole cycle of it, really, the whole addiction of of overeating. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an everyday, you know, just for, you know, a a stereotypical drug addict there, you know, every day is a new battle. And uh, Mm -hmm. like also in the movie, they say relapse is a part of recovery. So I think that's also applicable to this, to overeating, because like, you know, of course, with uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, you know, or, you know, Hanukkah, various holidays, it's so easy because all that food's around you. It's so easy to get into overeating and that sort of thing. So yeah, I have to like tell myself, it's like, well, you know, a relapse is a part of recovery. I can learn from you know, overeating in these circumstances and try and do other things to to combat that, basically. Yeah, it's very true. I think, like, for me, 
growing up, food was definitely like a comforting kind of thing. And like you, Seth, I didn't think like it was an issue. I was never told it was an issue. Yeah. Like there'd be comments, of course, it's like, where did I hear this? I heard on a podcast um, that I was listening to. Gosh, I'm trying to remember what one. I think it was JVN from Queer Eye, the um, hairdresser. He has his own podcast called Getting Curious. Mm -hmm. He was talking to um, a female drag racer, like actual racing cars. And when people see boys growing up, the first thing they comment is, you know, it's on their size. They want to see like a nice, big, strong boy. Like, and then for girls, it's like, oh, how they look, you know, you look pretty or you look this. And it's just those societal norms and stereotypes that are formed. So for me growing up, I think towards the end of high school, I got like respect for playing instruments and getting into music school and doing all those things. But I definitely played football for a year because all I heard was, oh, you're so big, you know, you should play football, you'd be great. And I fucking hated it. You know, I was peer pressured into doing it. I definitely quit practice one day. And, you know, add all of that, you know, to being closeted. I definitely knew I was gay in high school, but I couldn't really talk about it. So I definitely used food to kind of cope and comfort myself. If you uh, flash forward to college, I definitely drink a lot, but I drank a lot, but I never saw it as like a problem. But, you know, maybe that was one of those things, too, especially getting into like dating and trying to like find the right guy, nobody being interested in you and being thousands of miles away from home. <laughs> Just all all kinds yeah. of stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, also, too, with overeating, if you are a drug addict, you know, you're always chasing that high, that like first high that you get where you just like feel amazing. So then, you know, because you have, you know, as you continue to use and use, you have to up and up and up the dose to achieve that like high and you're always chasing that high. So for the way I, you know, I experience that as overeating is always trying to achieve that like happy feeling basically you know you know maybe it was like for example it was like that feeling like you had at your birthday party when you had a specific meal or you know uh your mom would make you a specific dish so it's like you're sort of like overeat and you have like those foods you like the go-to foods that you always go to eat uh you know you're basically trying to achieve the high of you know with uh having the perfect meal or you know eating just the right amount like you're like i'm gonna eat like this taco bell or i'm gonna eat this pizza but i'm not gonna overeat you know it's like that sort of thing you're like sort of trying to yeah feel full you know get that happy feeling back again you're feeling the the whole it's very hard too because if your grandparents and family were anything like mine it's like with overeating specifically it's like you're not gonna get up until your your food is done or whatever you put on your plate you better eat yeah you know so there's there's that too um i think with like alcohol Or like, you know, I'll just be honest, like smoking weed, I don't smoke anymore. But you reach points where it's like, okay, I'm doing this just because I want to. But then like, you start to notice you're going through these things faster than you usually are. So like, you know, Stoney and I, for example, with drinking, like Stoney's not drinking tonight. And that's just like his choice. And I do the same thing. Like we will only really drink now socially. Whereas before we used to have, you know, two to three drinks a night. So now it's just like, 
okay, thinking about trying to just be healthier without putting all that pressure on ourselves like we used to. It's like, I know that drinking a ton is an easy way to gain weight. So you kind of have to work over the years and it's not easy to reprogram yourself. And that includes like overeating. Like when I started college, I was very heavy Mm -hmm. and it took me watching like, you know, the sea of boys on my floor. Like they were all (laughs) super cute and like Mm -hmm. these, you know, country Indiana kids, everybody had abs and like perfect bodies and, you know, too much partying and too much cafeteria food. Like you just see them start to gain weight and get heavier and, you know, for me, that's when I started to make the small changes like, oh, cut out soda, do this. I've tried like every program. Weight Watchers worked for a second. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then eventually, you know, fast forward almost five years now, we've been doing low carb and keto. And that's a big part of why we try not to beat ourselves up with anything. You know, if you want to drink, have a drink, just don't have the whole bottle. You can have one or two drinks. We can go to a bar with friends. You know, I've gone out plenty of times and not had a drink just because I didn't want one. Right. Or there's been plenty of times where, hey, I'm just not smoking because I don't want to. Right now, I don't want to spend the money or, you know, I just want to feel, I like this clean feeling I have right now. And a lot of that stuff will cloud your mind, especially if you are in corporate settings like all of us. And they really do turn into coping mechanisms. So you just have to be careful about how you treat whatever vice, like, you know, I'm not going to lie, like smoking's fun, (laughs) but you know, whenever I pick it up the next day, the next time, it's not going to be one of those like every single night things, you know, maybe like an every once in a while treat, just like we're doing drinking now. There's not really any alcohol in the house. I went and bought like a half pint of whiskey because I like to have a drink when we record, But, you know, the rest of the week, we're not going to have anything until like Saturday. But guess what? If we do, we're not going to beat ourselves up about it. We're just going to try again the next day. And that goes back to like the relapse point. Mm -hmm. It's a little harder for people on harder drugs, but it's the same concept. It's like families are so quick to come down on people with addiction. I've seen this in my family with the very hard drugs when it's like you just kind of have to be patient and be a support system not meaning drain your bank accounts or let people steal from you or anything, but right. you know, be there how you can in a positive way because it really makes an impact and it trickles down to those later years. I mean, I think that the problem though with like a lot of addiction is like, you know, a lot of people will be like, Oh, well moderation. And I can relate to this like on overeating. Like whenever I was like mm. in high school or, or like even middle, like when I was younger in high school and even part of college, like, you know, I was always overweight in high school and a lot of it I think was because of the food like I was eating, like no disrespect to my parents, but <laughs> they just didn't have a lot of healthy foods around. It was yeah. mainly just like frozen, like Same here. a breaded stuff. And for Sugar me, nuggets. yeah. So for <laughs> me, it was like, I can't, it's hard for me to like moderate myself around foods like that. Like you put like a bag of chips in front of me. I'm going to eat the whole bag. I can't just eat like a couple chips and put them away. Yeah. And, but I think like a lot of people, like you could relate the same thing to alcohol addiction, right? Like people was like, Oh, just have a few drinks. It's fine. And just put it away. Well, a lot of people, they start drinking, they can't stop. And it's not, 
a fault to them. It's just that is who they are. It's you their, know, like, genetic. It's makeup, in their genetic you know? makeup. It's like, a little harder for you to get over, right? So for a lot of people, I think for addiction, and for me personally, that's kind of how you know, I had to kind of like stop my overeating was like, if I eliminate certain food groups, like, you know, doing this keto thing, I don't overeat as much because I I don't, if I don't have a bag of chips in front of me, I can't eat the bag of chips. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's kind of like, that's kind of how I've kind of coped with it. And like, even like drinking, like I've never had a major problem with drinking. I did drink quite a bit in college, but like for me, I kind of go through ebbs and flows where, you know, I will drink a lot during the week. Like when I get home, I'll have like a few drinks and I'll do that, you know, three or four times a week. And then you kind of get to the point where it's like, okay, this isn't really helping me and it's making me feel like crap. So it's like, I just need to take a break for a while. So for me, that's kind of how I've always like dealt with it is like, I just... I can't do moderation. Like I just, I need to cut it out. And that's kind of how I've always dealt with it is just, you know, Mm -hmm. if I get to a certain point, it's like, okay, I'm stopping this action. Yep. And then I am going to just focus on doing something else for a while. And that's another thing that like society does, especially over here in America. Like it's so bad. It's just, Oh, everything in moderation, everything, this, and not everything works the same way for everybody. Right. So like Stony, for example, I think all of us have really like taken time to learn who we are as people from that very young, vulnerable age through those transformative years. And we can apply whatever solutions we need where Stoney needs to like cut himself off completely. Hell, it happened on Saturday over the weekend. I was like, okay, we're not going to drink. You know, we're not drinking unless we're around people. And we were in fucking Target and they have like those little, I call them adult juice boxes. It's like <laughs> three glasses of wine and a little juice box. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm so sorry. I just want like a glass of wine. I have to like go home and read. Like, I just want a glass of wine. And, you know, it was completely cool, but I didn't beat myself up about it. And Sunday, I didn't have anything. And if I'm being honest, I didn't even go out and buy whiskey until maybe like 45 minutes before the show because I kind of like that as like a little tradition. But it's not the end of the world if I don't have it. Whereas, you know, maybe if we were doing this a few years back, I'd still be having a drink or having smoked every single night, Mm -hmm. being like super lit on the show. Yeah. And I just... Me, work was triggering because I just did not really enjoy what I was doing or where I was. So I was trying to flush that all out and it's easier to do it with those things. And then you're trying to be this healthy person and it slows down your like workout schedule, your like creative schedule, like blogging slowed down. So you really check yourself if you're aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, it still happens a lot too, especially with my grandparents, my grandfather, um, and my grandmother when she was still with us. I mean, they were, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I'll always have this memory of my grandmother because, um, she would like make us grilled cheese sandwiches, but her grilled cheese sandwiches were unlike any other grilled cheese sandwich that I'd ever had before. <laughs> because did it have all the bells and whistles well not necessarily that it wasn't anything fancy but literally so how she would make grilled cheese is the typical way you know you butter the bread you put it in the pan crisp it up a little bit so but for her she used 
Velveeta cheese as the cheese for her grilled oh, yeah. cheeses. The log of Velveeta cheese. <laughs> so oh, legit, no. no joke. She would cut like one inch thick slices of like cheese yes. and put. <laughs> it was so bad. I mean, we used to dip our grilled cheeses, and you know, no shade to my mom, but this is like it's so good, it's so good, and but dangerous if you dip your grilled cheese in maple syrup. It sounds oh. weird, but it's so good. <laughs> See, I dipped my grilled so cheese good. sandwiches in ketchup. <laughs> oh, I've done that too, especially like the Red Robin grilled cheese. Like that shit was really good. Yeah, the, like Texas toast grilled cheese. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, this is turning into like food porn. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but sort of like to get back to the topic. I mean, so so that was like a specific example of something that was enabling like my like, you know, as as mm-hmm. a child. This was when I was younger. And then also even to this day like I legit saw my grandfather uh where are we at? Like 2 months ago, I guess maybe it was at this point. And so we all like went out to dinner. They were in town visiting here in Seattle and we went out to town, you know, and he like I ate my meal. I didn't order a large portion, but I finished my meal and he ordered like a hamburger with fries and it was just like a larger portion of food and so he only ate like a few bites of his burger and like ate some of the fries but he's like oh like now i was sitting next to him so he's like oh here like help me and then so now all of a sudden i'm eating like half a hamburger that i didn't need and i'm eating like <laughs> eight pounds of french fries <laughs> so it's yeah. just like you know it's like even to this day and and he does this like to everybody not just me like he's always like oh here eat more eat more eat more and I don't and you know that just sort of like illustrates because that's my dad's dad so that's how my dad was raised and my dad was raised with those types of eating habits and so of course like that was passed down to me and uh you know I you know Jamal knows well knew me at this time but there was a period of time um I think it was around 2006 where I actually was able to kind of get a hold of myself and I lost like over a hundred pounds and I was mm-hmm. like, you know, quote unquote skinny. You're like going <laughs> on walks every day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, that was in addition to like our one hour or so of marching every day for marching band. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I would go on in like an additional eight mile walk <laughs> after <laughs> that. It was so I was like, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, I could pretty much eat. I, you know, I could eat a little bit more you know cheat a little bit more when at that time because i was so physically active but now like obviously i'm not so it's now if it I catches up to you quicker <laughs> right and so you know i lost like all this weight and so i've sort of like you know relapsed into this bad you know unhealthy eating style like i've gained a lot of that weight back so just like mentally it is very taxing and and addiction like definitely is a disease so it's like even for people that are just eating it's it's can be kind of challenging so i think now um we kind of <laughs> normally we take a break a little bit early in the podcast but i think we had like a really productive conversation so um let us go ahead and well uh for those of us that are having a, a alcoholic drink or those of us that are not having an alcoholic drink can get refills let's just take a, a little break here and then we'll be back to finish the conversation and we have uh, some statistics more specific to hard drug using in the lgbt community as well so we will be back soon hey everyone thanks for listening to our podcast so far thanks for coming 
Right now, we're probably refilling our drinks or maybe even gluing down our lashes again. While you wait, here are some things that you should check out. Yeah, remember everyone, you can email us tfcpod at gmail.com and um, tfcpod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Oh, and one more thing. You're not my real dad, and you never will be. Anyways, back to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back from that break. Uh, we hope that you took that moment to recenter yourself after like a super serious, you know, first half to the show. <laughs> so to continue our discussion, I feel like I kind of sort of like made the conversation about, you know, my struggle before the break. So I was wondering if either, you know, Jamal or Stoney, if you wanted to share, you know, uh, your experience with addiction that's more specific to you. Yeah, so I definitely have some, like, I guess some stories about kind of my relationship with drinking. Um, Kind of like what I mentioned earlier, I um, have never, like, been, like, diagnosed, like, as an alcoholic or anything. And I don't really consider myself one, but I do think I have had, like, drinking issues in the past, definitely, like, in college, because I drank a lot. But for me, it was, like, more a... I've kind of used drinking as more of, like, a coping mechanism, like, for social anxiety and being around, like, in large groups or in big settings around other people. For me, it's just kind of always has taken the edge off. So, especially in college, like, going to, like, parties or, like, bars with like a lot of people for me Mm -hmm. I would kind of go towards drinking just to kind of like let that edge off and so I'm not like as nervous in those types of situations so I think that was kind of always difficult for me because I was using alcohol as kind of a crutch yeah so I think that's just like another thing like we had kind of talked about like using like addictions can start because you're using it kind of as a coping mechanism, right? For something that for, in this case, anxiety. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think even just, I don't really deal with that as much now because I'm not going to like huge house parties all the time. And like, I'm obviously at work, like (laughs) around people. So I don't think I have as much like anxiety that I used to have. But for me, I think I've noticed, you know, working in stressful environments and being stressed with work deadlines and just being kind of exhausted when you get home from work, you can kind of use, you know, alcohol is kind of a crutch, you know, when you come home, you just like, Oh, I just want a few drinks and relax, like sit down on the couch. But you know, before you know it, you can like get into that rut of, okay, every time I come home, I'm going to have something because you need it to kind of relieve that stress. So I guess for me, it's always been kind of one of those things like realizing that's what I'm doing and kind of just, you know, telling myself, okay, not beating myself up about it or trying not to. Um, I'm not going to say I haven't beat myself up over it, but just more like saying, okay, I've, yeah. you know, I'm doing this one thing and it's not making me feel good. It's, you know, altering my mood in a negative way, making me kind of like depressed about certain things. So, you know, I'm going to stop this action and like focus on doing something else. But that's like a very like conscious concerted effort to do that. Um, and you kind of, yeah. kind of just got to check yourself for me personally. That's kind of how I always have dealt with it. So yeah, I guess that's yeah. just 
one of those things that I've always kind of had to deal with. <laughs> Did you find that um, similarly, you know, like when, um, like I think in past podcasts, I don't remember which one, but you mentioned like that you would go to the back door and like gay bars, like you'd kind of like break off and go there. Did you find that um, like you were also like over, you know, drinking a lot at, at those points, like, you know, to, you know, overcome your anxiety to talk to other gay people? Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I, in college, I never went to a bar, like, sober. Like, if I was at a bar, I was definitely had a few drinks in me already. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I think a lot of it was just, you know, and it could be a straight bar. It would be, like, kind of the anxiety of just being around large groups of people. But, um, but yeah, definitely going to a gay bar is a whole nother different type of anxiety where it's, like, you know, you're trying to, like you have this anxiety about meeting guys and uh, just, you know, being around something that you haven't really been around as much. So definitely I would drink to kind of like relieve that anxiety essentially. But yeah. And sort of maybe to like overcome, like maybe the expectations or, or what you thought was expected of you. Like, you know, like, Oh, I have to go to the gay bar and like meet someone like, and take him home, like, and hook up or like, or, you know, maybe you go to a bar and you're like, oh, like, I met someone that I really like. So it's like maybe you, like, drink a lot to yeah. get to, <laughs> to accomplish what you think is expected of you. Yeah, and I think, too, for me, like, I probably when I was younger, I was more shy. But when I was that age, I was shy and I didn't really talk as much. So, like, I think for me, it was like, okay, if I drink a little bit, like, I would open up a little bit more and I'd be more willing to talk and for me, it was like, okay, well, I need to have a few drinks so, you know, I don't come off as awkward and like, you know, I'm willing to have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. So I think that was part of it too. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, w- whatever your method of addiction is, it's definitely something that you can use to, you know, mask your, the real issue that's going on, basically. For sure. I don't know. What about you, Jamal? Is there anything that you haven't shared, you know, experience with addiction that you were wanting to hit on before we move on? I think like growing up, I know I talked about some stuff earlier. I didn't really notice anything until like the college years, because that's when I started to really try to like make a change by choice. Like I didn't feel like, I guess there was a little bit of pressure to look like the beautiful gay god that you see on fitness magazines and on TV. But I was always pretty confident, you know, even when I was over 300 pounds. But, you know, those things still eat at you. So, like, with the overeating, I just kind of made small, small changes like I touched on earlier just to kind of make myself feel better. I had to really work with myself to, like, reprogram, why are you doing this? Is it for you? Like, do you want to go and run three laps or can you do something (laughs) else that's a little more enjoyable? Like now regularly, I probably, I lift weights and I do yoga. I hate cardio. (laughs) So like, you know, I try to have fun with my workouts. So that's just kind of one way I fix that. Um, A lot of it for me was just recently, like the past handful of years, just trying to find my space in the corporate setting, figuring out what I want to do. And just feeling like there's so many roadblocks and, you know, you're trying to make a difference. People are saying you can do this, you can do that. But really, at the end of the day, you can't do shit and nobody's going to change. That's just the honest truth about it. You know, you work in a corporation, some care, most don't. 
So for somebody mm-hmm. who's, you know, a passionate being like me, you know, I want to feel like I'm making a change. Like I want to feel like I have this power that you say I have. So there's plenty of nights where I come home and I might just be really quiet just to not project it on to Stony, but I just really go to this dark place so easily. And I would use alcohol to just kind of just like, oh, I need a drink, but I like really needed a drink. And before you knew it, I went yeah. through a whole bottle of Merlot or I had smoked like <laughs> yeah. three bowls. So, <laughs> you know, cutting Uh-oh. all of, yeah, I missed that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but cutting those things out for a while, it's a good way to keep yourself in check. Obviously, you can't really do this with the harder drugs, but if you let it snowball, Stoney and I are really good at catching habits developing. So we can really control ourselves because we've learned ourselves and each other. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to do this for a while. For the past few years, you know, every January after New Year's Day, it's like sober month. We don't drink at all. And we always feel like so great after that 30 days or whatever. And then we just slowly ease back into it. So we try to like push ourselves and do it for us, not because anybody else wants us to. And that's been my experience, just trying to stop being the golden boy, getting the good grades, being the top performer in band, like do something for yourself, you know? So I have to, Yeah, it's a constant struggle, but I'm always reminding myself of these things. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm, I'm on my way to learning myself a little bit more. Um, another thing that I just sort of thought about is in something like I've sort of recognized is that I have like weird uh, reactions when I'm eating or you know, like in front of other people or or something like that, I get really defensive for some reason and I don't know why. So for example, like if I'm at work, like usually I'm too lazy to make my breakfast like and eat before I go to work. So I'll like bring something I can just microwave at work. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, everyone just, well, just in addition to me being tired, like, you know, I'm, but I am eating in the morning and everyone wants to come like chit chat me up and like be like, super chatty oh my in the morning. gosh I'm like I just don't want to that's that's not just you like, I feel like that's normal though I'm a, I'm a people person like I'm an extrovert but there are some mornings it's like we've talked about before there's some mornings where people just want to chat your head off and it's like dude I'm just trying to finish this podcast or get through this one song before I have to like do work shit and here you are already talking to me about bullshit yeah, <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. So for, so like when I'm eating though, like if someone's like, Oh, like what are you having? I'm like, I initially, like I like so quickly, like turn it back on them be like, why do you care? Or like, I'll just say something be like (laughs) none of your business or like, I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know why, but I get like defensive where it's like, as if they're like judging well here's for eating what i'm eating yeah here's the thing about offices and you kind of have to have fun with it because i get really annoyed too like there's always three people that are like oh my gosh what are you eating and they just like walk over to you and stand over your like (laughs) hot lunch it's like or with me specifically like there's always a goddamn pizza being ordered and i just scrape off the toppings (laughs) and they're like oh i already know what jamal's gonna do and you know instead of getting like defensive easier said than done i'll kind of make like my snide gay comment like with my little sassy tone just like well girl i know you like to go out on the weekend so you might want to check those carbs and sugar so you need to get like me (laughs) Uh oh girl and then they're like (gasps) 
like, I mean, hey. it is kind of sometimes it is kind of fun to be like the office troll. Like, Just troll them. I love trolling people in real life. It's so fun. <laughs> I know that you do. <laughs> That's why I eat so much. <laughs> Whenever there's another pitch in announcement, I'm like, uh, another goddamn pitch in. I'm making something low carb. I don't care how y'all feel about it. <laughs> yeah. You're going to like it. I mean, there was this lady at work that she like would always complain. Like we had this stack or this bowl of like jelly beans by our desk and she would like keep going and getting them. And she'd be like, I need to stop eating these. And then every time I would go over there, I'd be like, I won't say her name, but I'll say like, I'd be like, Karen, like there's more jelly beans over here if you want some. And she would like get (laughs) so pissed. (laughs) He's so evil. the worst. (laughs) He's the evil queen. So, I don't know. I know. I like being the trolly person in real life. It's just super fun. But yeah, try that. It'll be a fun (laughs) exercise for you. But keep it office safe. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I don't know why. It's just like, I think, I don't know. Like, I just have like vague memories of my mom or dad or someone being like, oh, are you going to have like another cookie or something like that? And it's like, no. And then you find like a way to like a reason to be in the area where the cookie is <laughs> and you like sneak the cookies and like literally like so many times I can remember like you know for various foods like treats I'd like go and when I wasn't supposed to have any more I would go and I would grab them and I would just put them in my pocket and then just like casually walk back to my room as if nothing <laughs> had happened and stuff like that and then you get back and you have like a fucking pocket full of crumbly cookies <laughs> yeah. and you're like fuck yeah and you're just like eating it's like so i definitely i think maybe the reason why i get defensive is because of like oh it's like oh you're not supposed to be eating this or something like that it's those formative moments for real the things that stick with you and the difference is now you know how to process them even though even though it's harder as adults but you know like why you can at least reason with yourself about why you respond a certain way definitely um so to kind of gear this conversation towards the people that are um uh you know maybe struggling with uh, hard drugs or just to maybe put into perspective like what our community is going through um so i did find a survey um and it's one of the more recent surveys it was done in 2013 and it was focused on information about drug usage in the lgbt community it kind of like really puts our community into, uh, you know, into perspective, I guess you could say. So one of the crazy statistics in, in an age group of 12 years old and older, 24.6 million used illicit drugs in the month prior to the survey. Oh, damn. And 19.8 million people. Um, you know, there's a little bit of overlap with these two figures, but... Um, 19.8 million people used marijuana that were 12 years old and older. Oh, wow. So that is like a crazy statistic. Another interesting one is that 25% of gay and transgender individuals abuse alcohol. I could see that. It's easy to do. Yeah, it's, you know, maybe it's because it's, well, partially probably because it's part of the culture, you know, it's mm-hmm. just going to bars and drinking and things like that an interesting statistic is that men who have same-sex relationships are three and a half times more likely to consume marijuana compared to men who do not have same-sex relationships interesting and also the same group of people is 12.2 times 
more likely to consume amphetamines compared to men who do not have sex with uh, same-sex relationships and they're also nine and a half times more likely to take heroin oh wow so there's definitely <laughs> I, I know like i was getting like really <laughs> like overwhelmed reading all these statistics before we record and it's all coming back to me now i mean it would be interesting like yeah. to know you know kind of how we were talking about like addiction is in my eyes is like a coping mechanism right and i think a lot of people and like our community specifically have dealt with a lot of rejection from whether it be like family members or their peers. And for a lot of people, I think, you know, they turn to alcohol or drugs because, you know, to cope with these issues. But it would be interesting to me if you take like people that have been abused, like, you know, straight people and see like how, how similar, I guess those numbers would be like percentage wise. Um, Because, yeah, like, I think a lot of ways they would be similar in my eyes. That would be my hypothesis hypothesis anyway, but I don't know for sure. Definitely. And, uh, you know, not to exclude our trans community, 26% of the trans community have stated that they used or were currently using alcohol or drugs specifically to cope with the social stigma of gender nonconformity. Yeah, escapism is real. You just want to escape the darkness and sludge that's today. (laughs) Definitely. One interesting little statistic is that members of the lesbian community tend to drink alcohol more than heterosexual females. I thought that was a little bit interesting. Hmm. Do you think it could relate to like similar like the gay culture? It's just like, you know, our communities, it's almost like welcoming somebody around the dinner table. We convene in safe places that usually have a bar. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, definitely more prevalent, I think, maybe... Uh, for lesbian females or j- just anybody in the LGBT community. It's just so much easier and, and, and accepted. You know, you're not judged for being blackout drunk all the time, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, there's a lot of, of interesting statistics. You know, I wanted to include those because I don't think any of us have you know, substance abuse as far as, um, you know, hard drugs and things like that. So I wanted to give some statistics to kind of put that aspect of it into perspective. So I think that is definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a crazy high number in the LGBT community. I definitely will be putting a couple different links to some information and resources, you know, so if any, if, perchance anybody is struggling with either eating or you know substance abuse like definitely going to be linking down below a few things definitely reach out to the trevor project they are our friends Mm -hmm. Uh, especially i will put their phone number down there and the website you know i'm definitely a big advocate of them they are so helpful same here anybody any way we can support anybody that's just going through it you know we're here for that so we're here for you just hang in there yeah drop us an email at tfcpod at gmail.com if you want to have a conversation about any type of addiction that you yourself have gone through or maybe a parent family member friend or you know is going through or has gone through you know i definitely do not mind talking to anybody about this issue. Definitely. We're always here, you know, not always specifically about addiction. Uh, This week is our focal point, but if you do guys need some uh, resource to reach out to, definitely 
reach out to us. If you're having a bad day, send us an email and we'll respond to you. Yes, please. All right. So with that uh, mention of abuse, we are going to move on to a special Thanks for Coming podcast with a special guest. Hi. Thanks for coming. Hey everyone, welcome back to Thanks for Coming. Like I said before, we do have a special guest, uh, someone that we have previously featured on our podcast and one of our day one bays, uh, (laughs) the Will Jameson. Hey queen. Hey girl. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Recently, Will went to a screening of the movie Beautiful Boy and holy crap was i so jealous because (laughs) timothy chalamet was there and i was like oh my god like will tell me what he smelt like (laughs) seth is just having a full-on meltdown via social media and text (laughs) i did i was like freaking the f out i was so beyond jealous i'm like why can't he come to seattle i have these moments where i look at my phone when it starts vibrating or making too many sounds and it had like five like violent vibrates in a row (laughs) and i was like who who is talking to me like this right now and i look down and it's like seth is like trying to form words telling us what has just happened (laughs) i was so freaking out like i saw will's insta story and then immediately i was like oh my god i have to know more so i like went to his twitter and there was like more pictures and i was just like oh what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) so um so the will jameson he did go and he saw timothy chalamet and nick chef who is the actual person that this movie is about and uh they had like a i think they must look like that a q a section and and uh and things like that so with that will sent us a clip kind of describing his experience and let's listen to will i'm going to be crying in the corner out of jealousy (laughs) (laughs) hey queens i'm the will jameson and i am here to tell you about a miraculous awe-inspiring event that I experienced firsthand last Sunday. I saw Timothy Chalamet in person. Okay, so picture this. It's Friday morning. I'm drinking a smoothie for breakfast, just minding my own business, when one of my very best friends texts me saying that Timothy Chalamet will be doing a Q&A for his new film, Beautiful Boy, in St. Louis, where I currently live, at an independent theater that's fairly close to my campus. I'm stunned. Did I really have time to drop everything I was working on to see Timothy Chalamet on a Sunday afternoon? Not really, but damn it, this was a major life experience. How could I say no? So Sunday rolls around. My friend and I drive over to the movie theater. I see several gays from my campus there as well. We watch the film. Beautiful boy is incredible. I openly wept multiple times in the movie. Steve Carell needs Oscar recognition for his work here. And Timothy... Timmy Tim. He took me to so many places emotionally. He fully inhabited this character. I couldn't believe that he was acting. It was so vivid and lifelike and intense. I was riveted. And then after the movie, the theater grows quiet. We're all waiting for Timothy. He's here. We know it. We can feel it. And then all of a sudden, he walks out onto the stage with the man who he played in the film. The crowd applauds so loudly. 
we all give them a standing ovation. Timothy is so bashful. And seeing him at first, wow. You know that cognitive dissonance when you see a famous person in real life, as opposed to on film, and it hits you right then and there that they are a real physical person? I couldn't believe it. This stunning, gorgeous, cheerful guy is real, and he is here in front of me. He really is that tall and lanky. His cheekbones really are that intense. He had on a fashionable olive green sweater and some form-fitting sweatpants. I wasn't close enough to smell him, but he could have stank so badly, I would have still been riveted to his every word. He sounded just like he does in interviews that you watch online. A line formed immediately for the Q&A. I was shaking a little. Here is this gorgeous and immensely talented man right in front of me. Could I really get in front of an entire audience to ask him a question about his creative process? Turns out the answer was yes. I stand up, shaking only a little bit. I'm nervous, but determined. Timothy is so gracious. He is thoughtful. He mentioned how he didn't want to portray a drug addict. He wanted to portray a person who is addicted to drugs. He understood the humanity in this role, and he had it in spades, honey. He and Nick, the real-life beautiful boy, answered several questions, and there was a decent number of people in front of me when the moderator cut off the questions. Because Timothy and Nick, they had to go to Minneapolis for another Q&A session that day. Timothy saw the distressed look on the face of the fan who was cut off by the moderator, so he asked if he could answer one more question, real quick. We all cheered. And then, just like that, he and Nick left the building. I was so stunned. Did that really just happen? Did I witness the love of my life, the icon, star, and legend himself talk about his craft in person? Okay, yeah, I didn't get to ask him anything directly, but when I posted about this on Twitter, a lot of Timothy Chalamet fan accounts liked it, so I got to make a lot of new Twitter friends that day. So the film was very different from Call Me By Your Name. This film is a frank, emotionally charged look at a young man's addiction to crystal meth, and how his family responds to it and tries to help him. Spoiler alert, the beautiful boy that the movie is based off of is still alive. I saw him myself, so it does work out in the end. Much like Call Me By Your Name, Timothy brings a subtle physicality to all of his roles, and the little gestures he would make with his face and his body and his posture, they all added to the complexity of this man. He put so much into this role, uh, but he was very clear in his answers that he wasn't going to actually do drugs to method act. A lot of actors do go to extreme, harsh lengths for their characters, looking at you, Jared Leto, but Timothy doesn't need to do obscene things to get to the heart of a character. <sighs> okay, on a much more lighthearted note, I was told to provide a trade of the week. So recently, I was fortunate enough to visit a risograph printing press to print something I drew with my illustration class. Risographing is a special printing process that you need a particular printer for. There's like a special way the ink binds to the paper, but I won't get into, te into technical details here. The guy who was demonstrating and showing us how it all worked was very attractive, and not that much older than I am. He had slick-backed hair and a cute leather jacket. So, uh, Brandon, if you're listening to this, hi hit me up. My DMs are open. All right, that's it for now, queens. But thank you all so much for letting me talk about my religious experience seeing Timothy Chalamet in person. And I will talk to you all soon. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Will. That sounded like a really fun time. And I am even more jealous now that I've heard (laughs) what you got to experience. (laughs) Yes, sir. Thank you so much for stopping by. Um, As you all know, um, longtime listeners, Will did our artwork for the podcast and he's one of our day one fans. So thank you for continuing to support us and share this feedback with us and our listeners. Yeah, Will's the best. Yes, Will. <laughs> we love 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 interacting with our listeners so if there's like an interesting topic that you want us to talk about feel free to drop us an email at tfcpod at gmail.com that's it or you can go to our website thanks for coming podcast.com and there's a contact us portion which will direct you to our email tfcpod at gmail.com yes all the angles hit it yeah but also too we can you know if you want to be you know featured in part of our podcast we love having outside resources we're looking to you know collaborate with people you know so hit us up girl all right well let us move on to the sexiest segment trade 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 All right, welcome back, you guys. We are here to talk about the sexiest segment in Thanks for Coming podcast history, trade. Yummy. It's time. Getting closer and closer to Thanksgiving. Time for the trade. (laughs) Just in time for turkey and stuffing, girl. Ooh, stuffing. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) Who who wants to talk about their trade first? Uh, Maybe Stoney? Sure. Yes. I already have mine pulled up, so I'm prepared this week. You looked like you were ready. I sensed it. (laughs) Yes. So my person that is my trade this week is a friend of one of my previous trades from Brazil. So anyway, this person's Instagram name, it's like I-G-H-O-R-S- Oliveria. We'll put it in the link. Like it's just a lot. <laughs> I can't really pronounce it. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, basically he's just a very cute boy and I don't know. He just has lots of cool photos of him just like looking into the sun, like your normal like insta <laughs> like person. Like, oh, I'm just out here on this beautiful yeah, day. I'm at the beach. <laughs> Deep in thought. Yeah. So it's like what are you looking at, girl? Um yeah, that's it really. So just look for the link since I can't pronounce the um <laughs> the handle on Instagram. He does have a very nice smile. Yes. Among other things, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think my trade this week, I have been wanting to mention, like, well, basically every single one of the members of the Queer Eye (laughs) group as my trade for so long. Uh, I've put it off a little bit. (laughs) Which one? Let's make this a little fun. Who do you guys think, out of the five Queer Eye guys, who do you think is going to be my first trade pick? I think it's going to be Anthony. I don't know any of their names, but I'm going to go with <laughs> the one that, um, uh, the one that's, uh, what does he do? He's, oh my God. He's the one that does the houses or whatever. Bobby, the interior oh, design. That's the one you like, the blonde one. Yeah, that's the one I like. Oh, well, you'll like. Oh, that was you. You're going to like the cook, the cook. 
Antony. Antony? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, Avi Anthony is like <laughs> definitely high on the list, but that was not my trade of the week. My next this pick week. would be Karamo. That's my trade of the week is Karamo. Oh. <laughs> because he's pretty. <laughs> he's okay. Very pretty. Like, definitely very nice body. (laughs) Uh, But also, another thing that really attracts me to Karamo is his mind. Because he seems very calm and, like, confident and put together. Like, very intelligent. So, I feel like he could balance out, like, my craziness. (laughs) No, yeah. That's that's very true. Because, um, fun fact about me, I am obsessed with that show. Like... I'm I'm convinced um, I'm probably going to start season one of that show again and then season two. And that will be the third time I've watched like the entire series. I just like watching them Ooh, all together. But um, Karamo's position on the show is culture. And it's so important because, yeah, he's like the black guy. But he's also teaching these people about self-esteem. There was a really awesome episode where he connected with like a cop, a white cop in the South. And they kind of like shared their position and their experiences. And that was a very powerful episode. And for those of you who are true fans, will remember him from the real world Philadelphia. Yes, I remember, girl. Yes, I love <laughs> yeah. that season. But Karamo's pretty awesome. And he dresses so fabulously. He makes me want all of the... um kind of like baseball style jackets but i want fierce floral prints like he has yeah he dresses so well and and like you did say he's like very uplifting like with people's self-esteem so i feel like if i was having a bad day he'd be like you know would so easily snap me out of it and then we could have like you know a glass of rosé or something yeah he's very if you watch him on the show he's very good at picking that you thing out before you know what that you thing is about you yeah, I like that. <laughs> the guy. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. So for sure, this week, Karamo is Bay, And you can check out his link down below. Yeah. So Jamal, who is your trade this week? So quick shout out to one of my past trades, Dylan Austin 100 on Instagram. He had the thoughtiest Instagram ho-ish costume ever. He was like Mario, right? So he had like this hat on, the stash and fucking like red hot shorts that just showcased his ass perfectly with blue suspenders. And he called that Mario. So, oh. I'm I'm here for it. It's cute, but I'm like, girl, that's not a costume. But I see what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, that is a costume. He was being slutty Mario. I guess. <laughs> but don't get me wrong. I double tapped. Um, <laughs> my trade this week. He doesn't really have a name. He's got like a group of initials on here that probably stand for a name. He's based out of London. <laughs> I'm so like I don't even know his name. I'm so serious. I was looking for a name. I don't see it. He's got like a coupon code as like his name. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah, he needs to make money somehow. I think it could be his name without the vowels. If I'm being clever, looking at this, I'm bad at puzzles. It is but I is think the that offer could be code TFC Pod. No, the offer code is TLPDRNHRVY. <laughs> 
But um, anyway, mm-hmm. he's kind of like a beefier guy based out of London. He's got a fiance. They're really cute together. He's a recent follow, but um, he's kind of like a bodybuilder part-time. So this isn't anything I'm usually into. I just like bigger guys in general, typically. But he just looks like a big cuddly bear that you just want to punch in the chest and then get beat up <laughs> by and run away from, but then tackle him again. Sounds super violent. <laughs> yeah, this feels really aggressive. It's like not what I'm into at all. <laughs> no, you just like want to wrestle with him and all of his sweatpants look way better on him than they would on me. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to checking this out. Joggers. Link in the bio. That's right. Rego V. That's R-E-G-O underscore V. Well, that has no same similar letters than what was in his offer code. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's very cryptic. Who is this guy? <laughs> Sir, can you just put your goddamn name in the title of your profile? <laughs> can someone give him a tag, please? <laughs> I know. Awesome. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed our trade this week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our podcast this week. We had a little, uh, you know, we had a special guest, so that was really fun. You know, we got to talk about Timothy Chalamet, which was, you know, always a great experience for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Make sure you guys go watch Call Me By Your Name if you haven't already. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's right. And also, check out the new website, thanksforcomingpodcast.com. .us.gov. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. Don't confuse them, Stoney. Oh um, let us know what you think. Send us an email, tfcpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell a friend, rate, and subscribe. It helps more of you find us. Yeah, and use that yes. Insta Thoughts coupon code too because he needs extra money t-l-d-r-p-y-h-r-v-y i don't remember yeah. i've lost it already i already forgot i turned off my phone so it's gone <laughs> girl bye <laughs> all right you guys well hopefully you guys enjoyed a more serious podcast on a more serious subject let us know if you did and we can do more like this because as much as we like having silly fun we also love talking about serious topics too every once in a while we get so deep sometimes. Drop us a line and yeah, we're I'm so deep. We're versatile. <laughs> we're not in the shallow oh. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're far from the shallow now, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I love the shallow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl, I'm off the deep end. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can go on. <laughs> Watch as I fall in. Okay, oh, I'm done. <laughs> no. All right. Podcast over. <laughs> love you, Gaga. Love you, Gaga. <laughs> All right, you guys. Um, thanks for coming again. Another week of a lovely, magically, super fantastically gay podcast. And until next week week bye, bye.